What's up, witches? I'm so happy to be here recording this episode with you. I'm sitting here in my house, in my bedroom, in front of my computer. I have solar fire up. I have a sauna up. I have my email up. I'm I'm surrounded by my tarot decks, my oracle decks, my crystals, like everything that I need. I have right here and I'm feeling so incredibly grateful. If you listened to last week's staff meeting episode, then I shared that I was traveling and that I would be with family. And for our plans to come home, we're traveling home with a Taurus moon. And I shared how as an Aquarius rising, Taurus moons will activate my fourth house, which brings up things such as your ancestry, your lineage, your heritage, your home of origin, your actual home, your grandparents. And while I was traveling, I I celebrated the holiday in a city where my paternal grandfather lives. He was probably the grandparent that I'm closest to of my living grandparents. And I was with my parents and my older brother's family And it was wonderful. It was a wonderful holiday. I did catch fire (laughs) to something I was making for dinner. And so if you want to hear about that, make sure you're signed up on my newsletter. I'm going to share it um, with the Corporate Coven newsletter when I send out the full moon and Gemini email. So make sure that you're signed up. um, Thatwitchfromwork.com if you're not already, but I think most everyone listening is. And it was great. It was wonderful. But still, there is nothing better than feeling like you can come home. There's nothing better than feeling like you can be in your space with your things. And there are so many people all over the world at any given moment in time that don't have that feeling, that are cheated from that safe space, that have challenges around family dynamics or with their ancestors or their home of origin or with the land of their people, of their heritage. And so I'm feeling in this moment so just deeply grateful to have home, to have this space, this sacred space that gives me refuge and solace and peace, a feeling of security and safety, a feeling of fitting in, This is my space that I've created as a perfect shell to contain me. Mm, I love it. This is actually not the check-in question. I just wanted to share that with you all because I'm feeling a little, you could say nostalgic, I suppose. I did have quite a lot come up with my ancestral heritage. Um, I, I felt my grandmother's presence a ton this week. Um, you know, I've, I'm just feeling like deeply gratitude, deeply filled with gratitude anyways, but that's not the check-in question. The check-in question that I want to offer you at the beginning of this episode is I want to encourage you to look back all the way back to June 18th when we had the new moon in Gemini newsletter. You don't have to go check the email if you weren't on it, but if you were, I'd encourage you to go check it out. And as always, I would encourage you to go look at your calendar, look at your Instagram archive, look at your, I don't know, whatever emails, like text messages, look at whatever else you have that helps you kind of keep track 
and observe the passing of time because this week, one of the major transits that we're going to be looking at is the full moon in Gemini. And in a lunar cycle, the new moon is the time where we are planting seeds of intention. And that's a lot of what I talked about in the newsletter. And I recommended some crystals and, um, you know, some mantras that you can offer, some affirmations that you can offer. And now here we are uh, in the week of the full moon in Gemini. And I'm going to talk about that in the episode when we go over both phase management, the major transits and the weekly forecast. But I want to offer this in the check-in question as well, because what is coming to fullness for you? What intention were you setting around the new moon in Gemini? And how do you see that ripening? And how do you see that ready for harvest now? How do you see the fullness? I don't want to say of the cycle, because of course, after the full moon in Gemini, we begin the waning stages until we revisit the next new moon. But what has come about since then? And as always, you can look to your individual chart and look for where you have Gemini, which house holds the zodiac sign of Gemini, to get some more insight into the environment where you might be observing this full moon energy and activation. But I'll save some of that for the newsletter. Right now, let's transition and we will look to the major transits this week. On November 27th, we have the full moon in Gemini. It's pretty noisy this week. There's a few other transits that we'll be looking at. Or I shouldn't say transits, but there's a few other aspects being made with the full moon in Gemini. And so I'm excited to kind of break that down for you here. And then the other thing that we need to talk about is on December 1st, because this is the week that takes us into the month of December, which is very exciting stuff. So on December 1st, we see Mercury moving into the sign of Capricorn. And this is very important, not only because we see a personal planet, we see a planet very close to Earth and to the sun moving into a new sign. Uh, but also, this is where Mercury will later in December station retrograde. So I'll be sure to let you know how this will impact your holidays. Stay connected, subscribe to the podcast, turn on notifications, find me on socials, join the newsletter, do all the things to keep in touch, and I'll make sure that you are ready to move through this winter and holiday season. Right now, let's go ahead and talk about the phase management for the week. I love offering this section. Sometimes I feel like this could be the entire episode, just talking about phase management. I've been dialing it down a little bit. I'm trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you right to the weekly forecast because I know that's why so many of you listen. And I'm telling you, phase management, phase management. I'm a program manager in my day job, and I find that like project management skills and acumen have helped elevate myself as an entrepreneur and business owner, but also as an individual. I, I applied so much of that in planning for Thanksgiving for my family. I was kind of hosting, but somewhere else, and I was helping coordinate everything. And not only having this skill set, but when I say phase management, I think about project management. I think about program management. I think about managing an initiative from the origin, from the very beginning of the ideation of the concept of what it could be, which would be the new moon, all the way to the actual event, which might be the full moon, 
But then there's always the takedown. There's the sitting around after dinner where everyone's feeling so full that, you know, you're just kind of like snoozing or visiting or you're doing whatever people do after, you know, big dinners like that. And those are those waning phases. So even the close out of it. And so phase management is something that I would like to see highlighted more next year in 2024, because for anyone out there, you know, I, I don't make this podcast for astrologers. If you are an astrologer and you're listening, you're totally welcome to hang out. I make this podcast though for individuals who are astrology curious, who are open to it, who are wanting to become a little bit more fluent. So that way it's easier to consume and to integrate other astrological tidbits that you find from other incredible astrologers out there. Ultimately, I make this for people in the world of work, in the workforce. And project management is one of those skill sets that has, you know, a a bright sun next to it. It has a ton of opportunity. And in the future, being able to manage work, an actual portfolio of work is going to be a very, very necessary skill. It already is. And so when we talk about phase management, I want you to start thinking about it from that program management or that project management perspective. How do you begin the beginning of a project? How do you begin at the end of it? And in these sections, since I do this on a weekly basis, we're only looking at a week at a time. So we have the opportunity to go into a little bit more depth. Which part of the project are we in? What are some actions and activities that you might do during this part of a project? And that's going to inform kind of how we experience this week. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it, but this is why I call it phase management. This is why I think it brings so much value. And this is also why in the upcoming year, you're going to see me elevate this and bring it more to the forefront because I want to help you with the astrological side of things. Absolutely. But I really want to help you leverage this knowledge and understand how to apply it in mundane settings like the workplace. Okay. So for phase management, we begin by talking about the modality that the moon begins the weekend and ends the weekend. And I think I just said mood instead of moon. That might have been a Freudian slip. Like what's the mood of the weekend, right? Of this upcoming weekend, as well as the one that we're in right now, as you guys are listening to this episode, if you are an early listener and you listen to it on Sundays, there's about 50 of you consistently that listen on Sunday, right when the episode is released. And then more people listen throughout the week. But for all of my Sunday listeners, hello. Thank you so much for being here on Sunday. So we begin in a fixed sign and we end the week in a fixed sign. We're in the fixed to fixed weekends. And keywords that I've been offering are stabilization, commitment, sustainability, integration. Consider the fixed signs, right? Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius notorious for being stubborn, immovable. And we know, of course, because I've shared this before, that they can be moved, but they need the right motivation. They need the right input and they need to understand the output. And so this is what the weekends are for. It's about making sure that movement is necessary, that movement is worthwhile, and that action makes sense and that we feel bought into it. And so what are you working on right now, right? I feel like I ask that a lot, but like, what are you working on right now? Whatever it is in your professional life, in your personal life, the weekends are a time for you to show your commitment to it. So for the actual zodiac signs that the moon will be moving through, 
Of course, we have a Taurus moon, and then we'll move into the sign of Gemini. And this is where we have that full moon and then into Cancer, and we'll end the week in a Leo moon. For the lunar phases, we are going to be in that waxing gibbous phase at the very beginning of the week, right? This is where the moon looks almost full. There's maybe just a tiny little sliver missing from it visually. That's what it looks like. We'll have the full moon on the 27th, which I believe is, oh my God, that's Monday. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. We'll have that on Monday and then we will end the week in a waning gibbous phase. So in terms of project management, the waxing gibbous is right before launch. I mean, it is right before the event. If you're thinking about I'm going to use an actual project that I do for my day job. And actually my role changed recently. So this will be, you know, this was my last cycle working on this project or I guess owning the work of this project. And that is our employee engagement surveys. And so the waxing gibbous part of deploying and running a project for an employee engagement survey, the waxing gibbous is where the survey is totally set, but maybe I am meeting with my internal communications team and I'm like, Hey, I need to get a new logo. I need to confirm branding and I want someone to proofread the email before I send it out to employees. You know, basically everything is done. Um, It's almost ready to go, but there's a few final things that I need before it's really like ready to launch. Keywords I've shared for the waxing gibbous before is refinement. And so think about this again of like, you know, you're, you're reading everything and you're proofreading and you're double checking and you're noticing small opportunities to edit or to adjust, or maybe you're even like looking ahead into the future and you're already anticipating work that you might need to do on the end of it. So you're also starting to prepare yourself for the type of work that you do while the project is live and also after it's over. So for me, sometimes this looks like, okay, I'm actually ready to go in and look at the dashboards, even though I haven't even started collecting responses. I'm going to go start working on the dashboards that the managers will use to look at and understand and interpret their team's data as they prepare to action plan. And so I'm going to go in and I'm going to edit, right? Like I'm I'm just going to go in and update language. I'm going to make sure that data is mapping. I'm going to go refresh participant fields. I'm going to go do like all of these things in preparation. So it's a lot about development and you're at a point now where things feel instinctive. And so, for example, if you're running a project which happens on a regular like cadence or a cycle, you know, for me, we do a twice year employee engagement survey at my company. And so at this point in time, a lot of it, I'm just doing from muscle memory. I don't have to go look at my SOP anymore. I don't need to go follow the instructions. I'm at a point now where I've been working in the project for months at this point, and I'm just days away from launching. So it's like, I got it in the bag. I I just remember what I'm supposed to be doing intuitively. I feel like, Oh, that's right. I forgot to do this. And I'm not relying as heavily on my Asana project tracker. I just kind of like am, am into it. Right. In the full moon, this would be like the actual launch of the survey. This is when I click on the button that says, send this email to all of my employees and invite them to take the survey, right? This is the launch. And while the survey is running, this is the, this is the full moon piece of it. The entire time that the survey is running, I'm collecting responses and I'm working on other things as well. I'm trying to like look back and also see ahead, but ultimately like I'm just fielding questions and emails and sending out reminders and working with HR business partners to reset passwords and like all of this kind of stuff, right? 
It's a full moon. It's live. It's happening. And this is when it's really activating. When you're in the peak part of the project, I mean, anyone who's planned a wedding, planned a birthday, planned a big holiday dinner or family reunion, um, anyone who has hosted a meal at their house, anything like this, like this is the effort required that goes into it. But then even once it's running, you're still doing so much work. You're still running around and trying to get things organized and, and make sure that it's continuing to be a successful launch. So we have that energy right at the beginning of the week, right? Like on Monday, it brings us here. And then we move into the waning gibbous at the end of the week. And this for me is in the engagement survey, like when the survey is closed, no one can submit responses anymore. But I also have not shared feedback to anybody. This is when we still keep it. I mean, it's always confidential. We're always managing the anonymity of the project, of course. What I mean, though, is that like no one gets access to my dashboard yet. Managers aren't going in to see their team data. And that's because there's still some work that I have to do. And part of it is like getting ready to share back. I'm getting ready to tell the organization what the employees said. And we prioritize, you know, the level at the organization who gets to see that information first. And my company, we always share out with our executive team before we share out with the rest of the organization, just courtesy to the leaders and giving them a heads up of what their teams are about to be looking at and also helping make sure that they have a full, clear understanding of where they have the most opportunity to improve the employee experience. So that way they can help direct their senior leaders and mid-level leaders and frontline leaders to align action throughout the organization to make a difference where it matters most, right? So the third, or sorry, not the third quarter moon, the waning gibbous or the disseminating lunar phase is all about giving back and sharing that knowledge. And it's very social. And so this is where I, I get HR business partners into the dashboards first. And I'm asking them, you know, help me check the data. You need to start building your deck soon to support your leaders as well. So let's all like start looking at it. I get in meetings with my senior leader and I start sharing with them. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I think is a priority. What do you see? And then by the end of like that waning gibbous phase is the actual readout, the actual sharing of the information. You could also say that this is like the recap, you know, everyone had the Thanksgiving dinner or everyone was at the wedding, but now this is when everyone shares the photos on social media and they're tagging everyone and they're, you know, using like the funny gifts and stuff like that to like get everyone into it. This is the sharing back. This is like the, Hey, the, here's how it went. Volunteerism. If you run nonprofits or charitable organizations and you have to oversee a project where a ton of people are coming together and, and doing volunteerism or something like that, then at the end of it is where you share, the waiting gibbous is where you share out, here's how much money we've raised. Here's how many Christmas presents we've wrapped. Here's, you know, how many volunteer hours were, were um, volunteered or, you know, I can't, were executed. I don't know. Either way, like this is the readout. This is the end of it. Here's what it looks like and what it feels like. So, Again, I'm really excited about phase management. I've been at least a year on the podcast. I've been offering it every week and I really want to elevate it because again, I see so much value in this, especially for witches in the workplace. You're why I'm here. You're who I make this, these episodes for. And I really want to help you elevate your professional acumen as well as start grounding you into the astrological wisdom that can be used from these celestial bodies. It's incredible. It's changed my professional trajectory for sure. And it just keeps getting better and better. So thank you for being here with me. Let's go over the weekly forecast and talk about the astro weather day by day for the week of November 26th. 
to December 2nd. The big to do on Sunday for me anyways, is really like the moon conjunct Uranus. It's a surprise. I don't know what you're being surprised by, but it is like unexpected news. It's, you know, something kind of new popping up and and something kind of like exciting. Right at 8 a.m., the moon's at 24 degrees Taurus. Uranus retrograde is at 20 degrees Taurus. And so around the time that you're waking up, the moon will probably be exactly conjunct Uranus. You might be startled awake or something like that. Um, a, A surprise morning. And uh, it it could also just be like waking up and then having the day kind of go not as you planned, right? That's what Uranus likes to do. It likes to come in and disrupt things. If you're waking up a little bit later, even like after 8 a.m., then you might wake up to the moon trine Pluto, which could bring a lot of intensity. What this might feel like is waking up in the morning, not having things go as you expect them to be, and then being really put out by it really frustrated and really put out by it. And remember, there is still tension happening in the sky. We still see Mars at that first degree of Sagittarius forming that square to Saturn and Pisces. Uh, Mercury is forming that trine to the North Node. And at 24 degrees at 8 a.m., the moon in Taurus is going to be forming a sextile to Neptune at 24 degrees Pisces. So there's a lot going on. Some aspects are, you know, supportive, facilitative. It's a nice little like nudge of like, go on, go for it. You're going to do great. But then there's other really like big, intense aspects, which could really throw you off your game, make you feel kind of frustrated. And it could also just make you feel like you're up against the clock. It could make you feel like you maybe don't have enough time for something or that you're trying to fit too much in. It could feel pretty stressful. Um, And so be mindful of just like how you're managing your energy on Sunday morning. It may not be one of those really nice, quiet, slow mornings. It could actually be pretty overwhelming and pretty frustrating. And if you're hearing some clicking, I'm actually animating the chart as we speak because I wanted to see what time does the moon ingress into the sign of Gemini. Ingress is one of those words that you'll often hear astrologers use to describe the planet or the celestial body or luminary moving into a new zodiac sign. So the moon will ingress into the sign of Gemini at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. So around 6 Mountain Standard Time is when you can expect things to, I don't want to say lighten up a bit. The moon wants to be jovial and the moon wants to be lighthearted and it wants to be silly and it wants to connect. It wants to be chatty, but the moon will be forming a square to Saturn and an opposition to Mars. And so, you know, the moon wants to be lighthearted and fun, but Saturn and Mars may not allow it to be so, or they might just make the moon work a little harder for it. The thing is, is that the moon forming a square to Saturn is maybe having like the experience of a really, really young child, but with a really stern grandparent, not that they're not loving, but stern. It's the type of grandma where you have so much fun when you're in your house, but you will take off your shoes before going into grandma's house. It's one of those situations. It's a a weird dynamic. And it actually forms this little T-square between, you know, the moon and Mars and then Saturn right in the middle. 
of those two. And so moon opposite Mars is just that, like how you're feeling and what you feel inspired or, you know, excited to go out and do. They're just kind of at odds with one another. Again, feeling like there's something that you have to go do. And then there's what you want to do. And Saturn doesn't care about either of them because actually Saturn has something else that they need you to do. So Sunday feels like a kind of an intense day. Um, you know, I like to share with you on like Sunday, what do we do to prep for the Sunday scaries? What is that going to feel like? How will that be? Well, the Sunday scaries are going to be like pretty intense and it might actually be hard to monitor and to manage some of that. The other thing to note is that while we use November 27th as the day to describe the full moon in Gemini, the exact time of that is actually going to be like after 2 a.m. So the full moon happens in the middle of the night, essentially. Right. And so this is even going to like perpetuate that idea of like that growing in intensity, that growing in light can also be seen as activating or energetically activating something. Right. And so, um, you could also just experience like a, a really restless night on Sunday night going into Monday morning. Full moons are hard to sleep anyways. I know for my kids, it's just like, it's so light outside. Um, and sometimes that's hard to manage, but it's also like, you know, in Gemini, it's the nervous system uh, with the square to Saturn. It's your dreams with Mars in Sagittarius. It's your desire to just not rest and to go out and do all of the things. So you might just notice a really restless night on Sunday. So that means that ways we're going to use Sunday to move throughout the week is that we need to practice prioritization and identify who's the authority. You might think it's an obvious answer. You might be thinking, me, I'm the authority in my life. I'm in charge here. That's not true for everybody. And I want to be cognizant of that. And even if you do feel like you have a lot, a lot of autonomy in your life, it still may not be your needs or your preferences that take the forefront where all my mom's at. You know what I mean? Like the, the phrase of like apply your own oxygen mask first is like, Okay, but point out to me which one is the oxygen. Is it feeding myself? Is it sleeping? Or is it cleaning up my house? Which one of those is oxygen to me? Please help me understand what's most essential. So figure out what is most essential. Figure out the priorities because you really can't do it all. And my other recommendation to you, and this could be controversial. Are you ready? Some of you could be really annoyed with me. I'm a little nervous about it. My husband would hate me right now. <laughs> If you can't sleep, consider getting up. I don't want to like diminish rest. I think it's absolutely important, but I also would want to avoid that feeling of lying in bed, not being able to sleep and just being pissed off that you can't sleep. Like, I know that you're tired. I know that you need rest. I know this. And if you can't sleep, get up. Go pace around your house. Go read a little bit of a book. Go do the dishes. Um, you know, go respond to some emails. Like whatever that is, like if you can't sleep, consider getting up. Maybe it's doing some yoga before bed. Maybe it's sitting through a meditation, not with the intention of falling asleep, but with the intention of meditating. Um, you know, if you can't sleep, consider just getting up because there is a lot of activating, like activating energy happening here. And you could just be pissed off that you're not sleeping well, or you could just acknowledge it. I'm not sleeping well. And you just get up. So figure that out for yourself. 
if you're like me and you cohabitate with little ones, and this might be my children experiencing this, you know, and I'm having to deal with it as a mom, but whatever it is, just acknowledge that this is just one of those nights where you're going to go into Monday morning feeling exhausted. You're going to go into Monday morning feeling chaotic. You're going to go into Monday feeling crazy. But the thing is, is that everyone else around you is also feeling that way. So in all the ways that you would want someone to give you grace because you're tired and you're not feeling well and, and you're not, you know, stoked about being there on Monday, recognize and acknowledge that people around you are feeling similarly. And you can offer them that grace as well and offer yourself that grace. Okay. Not every Monday has to be awesome, but there's actually this author, um, Kyle, I'm going to look him up and post him in the show notes. So he, I, I discovered him on Instagram because he went to high school with one of my cousins, but he's this really awesome author. He has a few different books out and he posts really compelling. Like one of his books is called fucking history. And so if you follow him on Instagram, he'll, his captions are very often like really interesting historical stories about these amazing people ones that you likely don't hear in like your general history classes. I haven't heard of most of them. And he was the original person to say, you know, sharks don't complain about it being Monday. They just wake up and like eat something. I don't know. I, I'll go find the quote. And it, anyways, I don't need to get in the dialogue. I was about to tell you like, oh my gosh. And then Dane Cook posted it and he got mad because he said it first. Regardless, if you've seen that quote lying around, it belongs to Kyle. I will post him in the show notes. He posts a lot of really incredible content, but it makes me think about that. Like sharks aren't out there complaining that it's Monday. Apex predators are not out there complaining that it's Monday, but you know who else is not complaining that it's Monday? Non-apex predators, cute little chipmunks, frogs taking naps under mushrooms. Nature doesn't complain about Monday. Nature just acknowledges it's time to go do this. So employ some of that mentality and perspective. But let's talk a little bit about the full moon, okay? Because again, it's happening like you're not even, well, you know, you might be conscious when it's happening, but like after 2 a.m., I'm hoping that y'all get a little bit of sleep at least. So, and that most of you are asleep during the full moon. It's happening a little after 2 a.m. The moon will be at four degrees Gemini. The sun will be at four degrees Sagittarius. Here's what's going on with this is that while this lunation is happening, Mars is at two degrees Sagittarius, Saturn's at zero degrees Pisces. So again, we have this T-square. It's a continuation of that energy on Sunday, but it's like a focal point now. And we see Mercury at 24 degrees Sagittarius forming an exact square to Neptune at 24 degrees Pisces and an exact trine to the North Node at 24 degrees Aries. Something else that's happening, but it's not as tight, but I'll name it anyways, is that Venus is at 21 degrees Libra and the South Node, they're three degrees apart right now. So Venus is also on the South Node. So that's a lot. That's a lot of aspects. I've shared this before, but when I get really wordy like that, if it's too technical, all you need to know is like, mm, she just said a lot. There's a lot happening at night. So again, you might feel restless, lean into it. I'm going to share the details of how this might feel. What does it feel like to, you know, have Mars opposite the moon and all these other things with a full moon? I'm going to save that for the newsletter. So again, make sure that you're signed up because that's where I like to share the new moon and the full moon medicine with the corporate coven. Um, 
yeah, keywords I'll share with you before we move on from Monday um, is just that like this energy is really about removing excess and letting go of old paradigms and relationship dynamics. Rules and roles are changing. And that means that brand identity, mission statements, core values, policies, etc., are changing too. That's going to be the vibe on Monday. This is super literal for me. On Monday is the first Monday that I will be shadowing the person who's now going to own new hire orientation. This, like, you know, I, I told y'all a few weeks ago that I got realigned into like, my dream job. I'm so excited. I'm so freaking excited. And so that means I had to pass off my previous portfolio of work. And so this upcoming Monday is going to be, um, you know, I'm shadowing the person who's now going to be facilitating new hire orientation and owning onboarding for my organization. Um, and, and after that, I'm really just going to be like facilitating as a volunteer. And if they ever need like backup or something like that, because I love the new hires and I love first day experiences. So for me, this is quite literal. It's actually very, very on the nose. Um, and regardless of your role or your organization or wherever it is that you're working, this is still going to be the dynamic again, rules and roles are changing. That means that other things need to change too. Um, so figure out like those changes, grieve it, but be, be prepared to let it go because it is about the severing. Mars is about severing. South node is about letting it go. You know, let go of that, which brings tension and get ready to be realigned. So Tuesday, on Tuesday, the moon forms a trine to Venus in Libra and the south node and opposes Mercury. So this could feel like having conversations that start working out the delegation of responsibilities. The moon is feeling curious and communicative. She's playing nice with Libra. And so relationship dynamics do have more ease now. The opposition to Mercury could be a moment of needing clarity on immediate next steps, but the communication is a bit too big picture or like it's too vague. So if you can find the commonality between these polar signs, you'll find a more successful outcome to these interactions. What are Gemini and Sagittarius driven by? You know, that's how you figure out the core of those. What drives these signs. And you can learn about that and my perspective on it with my Zodiac signs at work series on the corporate coven. Um, so you can see my episodes organized on my Insta site for the podcast. The handle is at corporate coven podcast. And I'll link that in the show notes. Um, but definitely being able to understand and honor both Gemini and Sagittarius is really going to help you navigate this week. And I'll, I'll probably, if I remember, I'll share those episodes on my stories as well. So it's really easy for you to find, but that's what I talk about on those episodes. It's not just what do Gemini suns look like in the workplace or what do Sagittarius moons feel like when you work with them. It's really about the archetypal energy of these Zodiac signs and a myriad of ways that you see them expressed in the workplace, work environment, work tasks, individuals behavior, qualities, things like that. So Zodiac Signs at Work series on the podcast. We're actually going to close that out with Leo at Work um, this upcoming month in December. And then I'll have all 12 Zodiac Signs posted. So make sure you go give them a listen. Let's talk about Wednesday now. I almost always want to say hump day because I'm a millennial and I was raised in that consciousness where jokes like that were so funny for us back when I was in like undergrad. So let's talk about Wednesday. 
Wednesday, we are waking up to a cancer moon. The moon's at home, right? It's like walking into your own bedroom. It's the experience that I just had today. (laughs) I'm in my own room again. I know where everything's located and I'm the one who put it there. And it's all the things that I love and make me feel safe and secure. And all my food is here. And I'm so happy because I'm sleeping in my bed again. That's what Wednesday is going to feel like for the moon. The moon will make a harmonizing aspect to Jupiter retrograde. In a previous episode, I described this as holding on to a melancholy or nostalgic memory as a keepsake to remind you where you came from. How will you stay connected to those communities or those identities? In personal and professional transformation, there is grief to losing work or even losing working relationships. Venus and the South Node. So again, it's a release point for relationships or the rules of relationships. What do we think is fair or equitable in partnerships? What is harmony? Okay, so we're going to be thinking about this on Wednesday. On Thursday, the day begins with the moon at 17 degrees Cancer. The moon squares Chiron and then activates a cardinal T-square between Pluto and the nodes, which has Venus in the mix, right? Because Venus is right on the South node. So cardinal signs are concerned with the way things are done. This is the way things are done here. Okay. They respect tradition and they value things that fall within the baseline or the majority or, you know, the, the bell curve. There is a climate of challenge to that, which is done because it has always been done. So if you have cardinal sign placements around 25 and 28 degrees, you can expect this to activate or trigger that placement, making you a likely candidate to be the individual expressing this tension in someone else's experience. What do I mean by that? Right? So as an example, I have my natal mercury at 24 degrees Capricorn. And so something that I might anticipate is that on Thursday, I'll be communicating about the order, the process, the guidelines. I'm going to be the one asking questions like, what does success look like? And is this a quality investment? Because those are the things that Capricorn would be concerned with. And Mercury and Capricorn, that's what I think about. That's how my brain is. It structures environments. It imposes control in the you know, information or the data or whatever external noise is coming through by trying to organize and categorize and structure it and also build a hierarchy and helping me really understand how are we valuing and measuring success in this process. That could really stress somebody out, especially if I'm not the project owner. If I'm going into someone else's space and I'm going into someone else's event or I'm going to someone else's dinner and I start coming in and I start asking all these questions, well, they're going to experience a lot of tension and that will be expressed through me because my mercury will be activated at that point with all of these dynamics that 24 degrees, especially, right? I've got Pluto sitting really close to mercury right now. I've got Neptune squaring my mercury. Um, I have the North node. No, it's not squaring. I have Neptune sex forming a sextile to my natal Mercury. I have the North node squaring my natal Mercury. I have the South node and Venus squaring my natal Mercury. So there's a lot going on with my words and my communication. I'm talking just a fuck ton right now. And it's probably stressing a lot of people out. And so that's just something to be aware of. It's, it's kind of my bad, but it's also like, I can't help it. And if you have a personal placement at this 
like around that like 25 to 28 degrees, 24 to 28 degrees, you're activating and triggering that for somebody else as well. And that's okay because sometimes we're meant to be the ones to come in and throw people off. We're meant to be the ones that come in and kind of shake things up or stir things up or apply pressure. But just know that you might be the one causing stress. And if you don't have a personal placement, you can expect that you likely will feel stressed out because that's what these squares and oppositions and these tension points serve as, you know, conflict is what like breeds innovation. There's a problem here. I need to go solve it. This isn't working right. I need to go fix it. And so acknowledge that like this, this tension and this stress is challenging for sure. But again, if you can always keep the perspective that this is happening for you and not to you, it's going to be a little bit easier to get through. So let's talk about Friday. We're making pretty good time on this episode. Let's just keep this train of rolling Friday, the first day of December. I got, I just got goosebumps. It's the first day of December and I am living for this season. When we came home, we got the first snow in Utah and it's essentially all melted, but we did get home in time to at least see it. And I am such a winter person and my kids, we all love playing in the snow. We are definitely like winter and snow people. And so I'm like, I'm so, so excited to officially be in December to officially like feel like we're in winter, um, really looking forward to this season and I'm, I'm stoked about it. So how do we open December? How do we kick off this month? Well, (laughs) we open with the moon opposite Pluto. Venus is still in a T-square configuration and now Mercury is in Capricorn and is starting to get curious about the, what the, about what the cardinal signs are up to. I've shared before that I see Mercury as being, um, you know, maybe even like an EA, like being like an executive assistant in Capricorn, right? Moving into Pluto's territory. And it's kind of like coming in and and, um, it's it's Dwight Schrute being the assistant regional manager. And Pluto is saying assistant to the regional manager. So Mercury is coming into the cardinal space, wants to know what they're up to, and might be asking questions like, again, like, what are you building momentum towards? The moon will move into Leo around 10 a.m. at Mountain Standard Time. So even though we begin the morning on Friday with that opposition to Pluto, which historically has been very difficult, very challenging, again, activating this cardinal T-square. Actually, it's it's a cardinal grand cross um, because it forms like a full X in the chart, right? And so um, it's really intense. It's a really activating way to start the day. But around 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, the moon will move into Leo. And at that point in time, it will form a trine to Mars, meaning that they're both going to be in fire signs. Fire speaks fire. So they're getting along. They're able to use the same language. They have the same motivations, right? And that could help focus some of the exerted energy and drive towards the Sagittarius things in our life. I I will share a, a personal anecdote again. I'm, I'm doing that a lot on this episode, but I, I really want to bring it to life for you. And I know my own chart better than I know anybody else's, but it's also like getting close to my birthday. So some of these are like my personal placements. So I'm, I'm very intimate with aspects in the chart right now. I have Mars in Sagittarius. And this is one of those natal placements that I remember reading about it as a baby not even an astrologer, but like as just like someone who was 
looking at my chart for the very first time and just consuming as much information as I could about it before I even had a clear understanding of the foundations of astrology and reading a natal chart. I would just go like, you know, Google or just search blogs, whatever I could about like these different placements. And oftentimes when I read about Mars and Sagittarius, it was just like, this is very difficult. Mars wants to go out in all directions. And I read that and I felt it it was one of those like, that sucks. I don't want that placement. I don't want that in my chart. I don't want to, I don't want people to see me in this way. I I'm so focused. What do you mean? I'm going out in all directions. Now I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I could never pick a major. I still struggle with identifying one linear pathway. There are so many things that I feel passionate about. And even like this business is like this centaur. It's this funny hybrid between a corporate woman working in corporate America and sharing project management acumen. But also she's a witch, (laughs) you know, like it's very, it's very Sagittarian. And the thing is, is that I want to move in all directions, but it's Mars and a fire sign. So I can, I used to read about it and I felt like, oh, I'll never be good at anything. I'll never be good at any one thing because I, I can't focus. I'm moving out in all directions. But the thing is, I'm actually good at a lot of stuff. Like I, I'm good at a lot of things and I am able to get a lot done and I'm very industrious and I'm very you know, if I can like say this about myself and I think I can, like I'm very accomplished and I always kind of have had this drive from all my Capricorn placements, but my Sagittarius fuels all the fire that I need for every single project that I have running. I don't always see them through to completion, right? I definitely get like burnout and I, everything that I talk about, I don't always actually launch or publish or certify in or whatever that is, but I get a hell of a lot done. And so when we have Mars in Sagittarius, it is a lot. It is in all directions. It's feeling like you need to do all the things all the time for everyone, forever, for whatever. So when Moon moves into Leo and we get that fixed fire in conversation with Mars, it also helps like tighten up a bit, you know, like don't do five things, do three things. Uh, don't try to finish everything on the same day, finish four of them on the same day and then save one of them for next week. Again, when we see this lineup, like where the sun and the moon are now, um, in a trine, but on the other end of the full moon, this is that waning gibbous or that disseminating lunar phase. So again, it's about giving back. It's about sharing. And so this could also be about like telling people, like, here's what I've learned or here's what I've discovered. It could also be, here's what I believe. And not in, uh, I want to say like a gross, like proselytizing type of way. I, I have like a really weird relationship with missionary work. I shouldn't say it's weird, but I have a, a very difficult relationship with the concept of missionary work. And, um, you know, the, the whole like colonizing aspect of it. And so when I say like sharing what you believe, I don't mean like going out and trying to convert anyone to your belief system, but it's rather elevating that, which you find holy and divine and beautiful, what, where you find God, where you find source, where you find love and elevating that without needing anyone else to agree with you, to validate you, to celebrate you, or to say, yeah, that's the right thing. That's the way to do it. Because that's not the point. It's really just about sharing 
that. Um, Yes. Okay. That's what I want to say there. On Friday as well, we do see Mercury forming a sextile to Saturn. And so it is helping like close. It is helping drive results. It is helping deliver. It is helping build structure to the dream. So again, there, there is a lot this week about while there's a lot of tension and while there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of conversation and there's a lot of like, you know, grief and dynamics and like figuring things out. And again, tension is what's going to be coming up. Ultimately, again, this is moving you forward. You're getting closer to something and it may not feel that way in the moment. And especially like on this episode, we're only talking week by week by week. But if we were to zoom way, way out, and if this were an astrology podcast uh, where we talked about a month at a time or a year at a time, and there's lots of other astrology podcasts that do do that, that's part of the benefit of understanding the astrology from that more like, you know, month year perspective is that you can really see the full story of it. Or instead of talking, you know, what's happening day by day or what's happening week by week or even month by month, you could just say, what's everything that will happen by aspect to Mars the entire time it's in Sagittarius and focus specifically on a planet, especially if it's your ruling planet. Eh? Okay. That's how you can start forecasting for yourself, by the way, is just identify your ruling planet um, and then start identifying what will happen to that planet throughout this year, especially if you're moving, if you're starting to use um, perfected years, then you can identify what planet is ruling that year for you. And then it can give you insight into the themes of that year and specific aspects that you might want to pay really close attention to. These are all things that professional astrologers can support you with. So if you're like me or you were like me where I was, you know, 12 years ago and you were just Googling everything about your chart, you know, there's so much richness to be had. And especially if you're reading about a placement and you're like, I hate that. I don't want that. I don't, I don't want this rising sign. I don't want this moon sign. I hate that mercury description. Well, talking to an actual astrologer that can bring in some of the nuance of your chart and the aspects and the transits and the progressions and the perfections and all of those things can help you. I don't want to say fall in love with your chart, but it will help you accept your chart and start understanding it with more depth. And ultimately I would love for people to love their charts, even the challenging aspects, because again, my, my firm belief is that this is all happening for you and no one has a perfect chart. And that's because no one has a perfect life. But if you'd like to work with me, if you'd like for me to like read your chart, then again, make sure you're on my newsletter because when I tell you about the fire I started on Thanksgiving, I'm also going to give you some fire discounts. Eh? You see, you see what I did there? Sorry, team. It's getting late and we're getting towards the end of the episode. Let's talk about Saturday, okay? Saturday morning, Mercury forms a sextile to Saturn and Venus is square Pluto. So heaviness on this day. Saturday's kind of a bummer. Um, that sucks. It, here's the thing is maybe it's not a bummer, but it might be one of those experiences of like, where's the magic of the season? Why doesn't it feel magical anymore? Why doesn't it feel special anymore? You know, when I was a kid, it used to be this way. It used to be just like this. And it may not feel that way anymore. You know, relationship dynamics change because you have to, I mean, just an example, I mean, you know, with Venus in Libra forming a square to Pluto in Capricorn, how often does your job get in the way of your marriage or your relationship with your family or your friends? 
how many times does the family unit become more of a priority than the actual marriage and partnership? And I'm using marriage and partnership and stuff like that just because it's like a, it's low hanging fruit for interpreting Venus in Libra. Um, but it's so much more than that, right? It's also, you know, back when the constitution mattered, back when this law made a difference, back when people respected their elders, back when, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, a time when, and so it could just be this feeling of like, oh man, I, I remember when the holidays used to be magical, when winter used to be beautiful, when there used to you know, be these things in the world. And if you're feeling that way on Saturday, then another episode I would encourage you to listen to. I prom- I didn't have any of these like, go listen to these episodes scripted. I've just recorded a shit ton of episodes on my podcast. And so there's a lot of like supportive material. One of my very first episodes, it's one of my more popular ones too. Um, I was having a really hard day and I recorded an episode talking about believing in magic and ways that I try to instill that with my children. <laughs> Speaking of my children, I can hear them playing outside. So I'm going to wrap this up, but go check out that episode. I'm going to link all of this in the show notes. I will catch you witches in the next episode. I'm really looking forward to sharing more with you. Please stay connected with me and my work because I have some really exciting things for 2024 and it's that time of year where it's just, it's a nice way for business owners to give back, to say thank you. It's fun for you to support small businesses. So on the newsletter, I'm going to be sharing some of the um, special offerings that I have for the season that are at a, like a moderate price point. I asked everyone on my Instagram, what, what do you want to invest this season? And I use that to inform what I'm offering and how I'm pricing it out. So you shared, I'm responding to you. I have some really cool stuff that I'm going to be sharing with you in the newsletter. So make sure that you're connected with me there. Okay. Have a great week, everyone. I'll see you next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.